You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections. And sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. On today's episode, Kelly Hayworth, City Administrator, City of Corvette. Kelly and I have been good friends for about 25 years, and he and I have been doing crazy things together as best friends for about 10 years. You know, it all the first time I wasn't your best friend anymore, and you announced your next best friend, that bothered me because I didn't know what was going on. Well, then I figured out, well, hell, he's got all kinds of best friends. That's right. You try to move around a little bit. Yeah, you know. If there's anything that you can think of that you don't want in a community, it was there. I mean, we had the, we had the strip joint. Oh yeah. We had the adult bookstore. We had the junkyard. We had um, a waste transfer station that was running off into the Iowa River. Um, you know, it, it had been one of the best things that you and I have ever done. And that's worked with the um, president of Kirkwood and visited every major employer in Coralville, right? I mean, we just right. did that. Amazing um, experience. It's amazing what you learn and um, what they're doing. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. Hi, this is Tom Selick, and welcome back to our next podcast of my new best friend. And this uh, this week, it's uh, Kelly Hayworth, who's the, I guess we call you the city administrator of Coralville. Yes, that's and correct. a long time friend. What, that's a good start. What's the difference between a city administrator and a city manager? Well, it re- it's a very technical and uh, not very worthwhile topic. But um, city managers are formed in the charter of their city, which means that basically the council can't get rid of them without a vote of the of the citizens that gets rid of that position and the city administrator's position is set up by the council and so they have the decision whether to have that position or not i see okay a little a little too technical yeah a little too technical for me but the long story is that they're very very similar is is you know really the final answer there well let's go back to who you are and how we sort of met i Guess the end of the story. You came to Corbo in 1988, I think. So yes. I'm assuming about that time, the first year or two, I met you. I was working at Hills Bank at the time. But let's go back to where you grew up. You're from Des Moines and went to Des Moines East. Give us your background, your family, and your father and mother. Yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up in East Des Moines in the shadows of the state capitol on one end and the state fair on the other. I mean, six blocks each direction was the state fair and the state capitol. And so it was an interesting place to grow up. And the people on the east side of Des Moines had a chip on their shoulder. And so it, the whole saying was, Lee Township against the world. And so, <laughs> you know, that's just kind of the way it was. And we were on East Des Moines, you know, we were from East Des Moines. And we were proud of it and everybody else not so much. So, um, but I grew up there and went to East High School and 
have one brother and um, my mom and dad. My dad um, worked for the power company for for a long, long time, and um, you know it was just a fun place to be. Tell me how you you became a, a city minister. You came to Iowa. You came is that right? You came to college, Iowa. Yeah, I came to the University of Iowa, and um, I you know it just seemed like a natural place to be for me. And one of the reasons kind of goes back to our earlier comment because my friends from East Des Moines were coming to the University of Iowa. And so I had three very good friends from high school days and growing up that went to the University of Iowa. So I decided, well, if it's good enough for them, it must be good enough for me. And I can't say that I was a lifelong Hawkeye fan because at that time I came over once a year for a football game. And (laughs) that was when they were losing, right? You remember those days? 20 years of losing. Yeah. You know, so, hey, I started... At the same time as Hayden Fry, I came to college. And you talk about being lucky that um, (laughs) I got to come here. And so my third year of college, we went to the Rose Bowl. And it was like, you know, amazing that we were were getting to go to the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, it was, there's just so much fun time. But yeah, so I went to my undergraduate um, work here at the University of Iowa. And then I went on to work on my master's. I have an MBA, which most, you know, that doesn't relate to government very well, and uh, met my wife, Nancy, um, at the university. We, we, you know, my college roommate was, um, grew up with her, so um, that's how I met my wife, and so that really kind of started our connection with the, with the University of Iowa and Hawkeyes and how important it was to us and to the state and to our family and and friends, and so I've had that connection from way back when, and now, you know, that's one of the most important things to me. Now, tell me how you became a city minister and how you got to Creston, is it Creston, right? Yeah, I went to Creston as the finance officer and had no clue what the heck I was doing, you know, and I was an MBA student, and this opportunity came up, and it sounded interesting. And my professor, in fact, told me, don't even consider this. Don't even think about it (laughs) because you got an MBA, and you don't want to go work for government. And um, that's what I did. But, you know, one of the connections to the quarter is that um, the first person that hired me, my mayor— was Terry Donahue. So Terry Donahue, that is currently the mayor of North Liberty, was the mayor of Creston. And he invited me down to interview with the council, and he, he gave me the job. And I was right out of college, and I had never lived in a town the size of Creston before. You know, they were 8,500. And um, one of the, you know, I vividly remember when I went to interview was probably in I don't know, March or sometime. And then I came back because I actually took the job and I came back. The farm crisis had kicked in big time. And oh, so sure. when I walked through the downtown of Creston, my office was in the old depot there, the train depot, which was gorgeous and was right downtown. And um, when I went for my interview, there was no empty storefronts. It was packed downtown and it was vibrant. When I came back to start my job, there was already three empty storefronts. So that was right there, you know, 1985. Sure. The farm crisis had kicked in, and you talk about um, a change in a community. Um, we really saw what happened and what, how the farm economy can affect um, places in Iowa. 
Well, us old people remember remember those days. That was a challenging time for the state and communities, so those smaller ones especially. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was a, a start of an uh, unfortunate situation. Yeah. So in 1988, you get to Coralville, right? You apply yeah. for the job, and you get it, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, we just bought a house the month before I applied in Creston, and we were loving it there. My wife, I had gotten married while I was in Creston, and and um, we really was making home there, and it was fun. And we got the opportunity, and I applied in Coralville. And what, you know, was it was really um, very interesting to both Nancy and I because we had the chance to move back to um, – the area where we went to school, right? You know, we were sure. Hawkeyes and we were, you know, U of I grads. And so we had all those fond memories and we had a chance to come back. And, and so we did. What was your, what's your estimate of the population of Coralville in 1988? Just it, a ballpark. It was about 7,000. 7,000. What is it today? Probably around 22, 23,000. Amazing. Now, us old people can remember the good old days in Corp, but we had the drive-in theater. <laughs> was that there when you got there? The drive-in was no longer. Oh, okay. No, it was, it was no longer. But, you know, I look at all those great pictures on the walls at City Hall. We have all kinds of historic yeah. pictures. And the purple cow. Purple and, cow, yeah. And the, um, <laughs> the slide and all those, you uh, know, the, there was a huge slide, gigantic slide next to where Hills Bank is now. I mean, all kinds of cool things like that. That was the good old days. So. Yeah, the good old days. Well, then when you got there, um, as I recall, uh, the uh, what we call I River Landing mm-hmm. was that time sort of a, I don't know, Brownsfields area, not well taken care of and stuff. And, and the council decided they wanted to improve that area. That's the entrance to Coroval off Interstate 80. Yeah. So was that, was there a... Tell us the background and how that became a priority for the city and what your role was. Well, one of the things that, you know, we always say about the Iowa River Landing at that time is if if there's anything that you can think of that you don't want in a community, in your community, it was there. I mean, we had, <laughs> the, we had the strip joint. Oh, yeah. We had the adult bookstore. We had the junkyard. We had um, a waste transfer station that was running off into the Iowa River. Um, you know, it was, we had a couple of abandoned buildings. I mean, it was, you know, just wasn't a real great place and to be. And you had a famous truck stop. We right? had a Dick famous Myers. truck stop. Yep, yes. You know, successful. everybody, it was very successful. In college days, we went out there after drinking all night. You know, that's where you had <laughs> breakfast until two in the morning because they were open. <laughs> so, you know, that was um, a very good time. But yeah, it was not a nice place, and the council said, and the community said, because we had um, we did some community surveys at that time, and the and the community says that place needs to be cleaned up. It's embarrassing. It's um, you know Interstate 80. People are driving by, and that's the first impression. If you come to the University Hospitals, if you come to Iowa City, if you come to Coral, that's the main entrance, and it looks like a dump. And so um, that's really what started all that. So that's come a long way, and with that, it was probably 25 years ago or so. Yeah, it, it was. It was really early on, and the councils, the council and mayors at that time had talked about this extensively. It really goes back to, you know, we have goal-setting sessions notes from 82, 83, and 84 where they were talking about all this stuff and what they wanted and what their vision was. Yeah, I assume Jim Fawcett was a big factor in that. Jim's passed away, but he was 
Yep, Jim. Mayor. Jim was well at that time. Jim was on the council originally, and Mayor Catchy, Mike Catchy. Oh, Mike Catchy. Yeah, yep. Mike had been mayor for fourteen plus years, and um, you know, so we really um, had some longtime people, even at that point, that were just starting to work on what they wanted to see in the community. Good. Well, we'll come back to that later, maybe. But let's talk about briefly the Horridge Mall. How that developed? What year was that? Uh, started well it really started in 1995 it was kind of the planning process and and it opened in 1998 and it was a big deal I remember Mike Catchy the mayor talking about he couldn't even buy any underwear in Coralville you know I mean that was one of the things he says well I should be able to buy underwear and pants in Coralville and unless you went down and I don't remember what the predecessor to target was a tc something or other that there just wasn't that and so we had the opportunity and they actually came to us general growth um they had tried um i don't know if it was the 70s or 80s you'd probably remember better than i but they tried to do a mall way back when in iowa city and it didn't work the zoning and there were all kinds of issues so they kind of went away and then they came back um you know and said to Corville, hey, we want to do this. And you know what was interesting about that was that they bought land three different times. So they bought the first piece of ground and then they had more interest. And then so they bought more ground and expanded the project. And lo and behold, a third time they came back and said, well, what would you think if we got even bigger? So that um, was the predecessor to the whole planning for Coleridge Mall. They bought three different times. They bought ground, added on, expanded, and it, lo and behold, opened in 1998, 100% occupied. General Growth had never had a mall in the United States that had opened 100% occupied, and this wow. one was 100% leased. It's amazing. Times have changed some. Obviously, rehealing yeah. now is more challenging, and they face that, but it's still still surviving and pretty pretty it's, creative out there. Yeah, well, it's still surviving, and what's interesting is they're working hard at reinventing themselves, and so they got some new things that they'll be announcing, you know, after the first of the year. But they, it's not like they're standing still, and so you're going to start to see some additional changes there. One of the other things that they did, which wasn't kind of it was out of the norm then, is they were interested in um, being a community facility. And that's how the ice arena came about. You right. know, having ice in the mall because some residents in in Iowa City and Coralville said, "Hey, you know, we don't have an ice uh, uh, permanent ice uh, space right now, and we want to play hockey and we want to figure skate and do those kinds of things." Right then, at that point in time, if you remember, the only place you could do that is in City Park on the ponds. And, you know, obviously that didn't work real well in, you know, certain parts of the year. So they actually did that. They did the Children's Museum. Uh, That was something that was happening at the time. And so they were willing to put it in the mall. And so they were really looking to be more than just a shopping center. Sure. Well, it's a real success story. But let's talk about some things in Coralville you've done. You've got a great library. That was done in the last 20 years, right? You've remodeled that thing, expanded the library. It's really a great facility, which people... I live in Iowa City. I can use your library. Yeah. You just yeah. sign up and get a card, and it's free for me. Yeah. We got great, you know, we're, um, they had just finished the second location of the library when I came here, and 
we've already had to expand it and make it bigger and, and remodel it because there's such a demand. And um, even today, you know, people say, well, you know, you can listen to books on tape or whatever. The library is just as important and as crowded and successful today as it was, you know, 20, 30 yeah. years ago. And you got that great swimming pool out there. It's very unique and the, the slides and things, right? Yeah, yeah. And know. then they got the Performing Arts Center, which really has worked out well, g- giving some local groups the opportunity to perform school groups, I think, right? Yeah, the Performing Arts Center every year gets busier and busier. And what they, who's there and what they do is just um, it's amazing to me that there's so much talent locally and so many groups that they fill up the space and, and we don't even have um, as many nights available as, as people would want. So it, it's it's pretty amazing what goes on there. And, and like you said, the schools can all make use of the Performing Arts Center. Um, that's something that every school in Coralville has access. They can have three nights a year that they can do their own thing at the at the Performing Arts Center. I was trying to think of when we were younger, we were more fun, I think, and we used to do um, some crazy things. I was trying to think, the one I remember the most, if you're older like I am, you remember David Letterman used to have a TV uh, show at night and uh, was the, the funny guy, and um, he um, sort of tried to get Oprah Winfrey to come on his show. Yeah. And... Um, as I recall, we tried to help on that. We tried to. We made Oprah signs. What do you remember? What we did back then? Yeah, we were we were inviting um, Oprah. We invited David Letterman to come. To and have we, yeah. he's in a show in Corville. We had we had we had, we had signs. Didn't you have the kids at at Corville Central? Yeah, make a big sign. They made a big sign and invited him to come and and then so based on that. We then, um, Ragbride came along, and we were trying to get them to come for the very first time. And so um, we hadn't had success with David Letterman, but remember we spelled out Ragbride yeah. with the kids from Coralville Central on the bank, and then we made postcards and had all of the kids send postcards to Ragbri about why they should come to Coralville. And one day I got a call from Jim Green, Greeny, that was the organizer at the time, says, don't send any more postcards because he had gotten hundreds of postcards on his desk over a three-year uh, for three-day period, and he didn't want to see any more postcards at that point. Now the other thing I remember, I think this is right, when the Letterman deal, uh, I think John Phelan was up on Channel Nine, running Channel Nine back then, and he was helping on, on the le- on Letterman. And he got a phone call telling us to back off who were driving him crazy in New York City. Is that, isn't that sort of true? It, that is sort of true. He did get the call, and he says we might want to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> and it, he might be able to keep his job if we stopped um, harassing them. But, yes, we did get that, that call. Was a, I still have a sign. It says, Oprah called Dave. <laughs> I keep it in my office as a souvenir. But we, we failed. We never got Dave here or Oprah. But that really was that was a goal. It was, that it was, was lots goal. of fun. But – you know, as a result of that, we also had the creative economy. And there yeah. we were a little more successful, if you recall. Oh, yeah. Because um, we did get the author to come to um, to our community, if you recall. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, Kelly has been my best friend off on numerous times. He's probably <laughs> a multiple best friend because um, a few years ago, we were, we, every time I spoke at something, I announced my new best friend. So Kelly would reappear on, on that list. And... Uh, We've done a lot of things in the community. We do we do lunches together. We try to bring people to, together to, to build a community. All those lunches tend to have a charity focus. 
But uh, we try to encourage like small retailers to speak at our lunches so we have a chance that they have a chance to tell their story. And, um, you know, uh, and we've also brought politicians. You remember one time our goal was to have every presidential candidate in Coralville. And um, we won't talk about all of those, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, one, the most famous one, and we hate to bring this up, we brought Donald Trump. This is before he was running for president. A week and a half before he announced he was running for president, he came to Coralville. And Karen Fessler, another friend of ours, she helped us out. And Donald Trump came, and we th- we didn't know any better what was going on. And we filled. Remember, we oh, filled I Brown Deer. I said people wouldn't come. Yeah. It yeah. was packed. And it was packed. And lo and behold, a week and a half later, he announced he's running for president. Yeah. And, and then... And the key to that was we were trying to raise money for the Veterans we're, Memorial. For the Veterans Memorial. That was our goal is we wanted <laughs> to raise money. And one of our other friends, you remember, Jerry, Jerry Ambrose, Ambrose. Jerry Ambrose, one of your best friends. True. He um, he uh, paid for the lunch. And then everybody that um, came donated to the Corville Veterans yeah. Memorial. And now that Veterans Memorial is being built this year. But, you know, one of the keys is I never, you know, at all. The first time I wasn't your best friend anymore, and you announced your next best friend, that bothered me because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> well, then I figured out, well, hell, he's got all kinds of best friends. That's right. You try to move around a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't like to talk about it, Tom, but someday I want to go to your funeral and find out how many people in the audience have been your best friends. And I think probably everybody will raise their hand at some point. There's quite a bit. I'm bringing you back now. We're going to restart that that whole momentum. So well, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> what are some of the basic principles or philosophies you are trying to, to use to be, a, I guess, a better leader and a better person? Well, I think there's a, uh, several things that I've learned, and a lot of them I've learned from people like you, you know, that um, relationships are important. Honesty is important. I mean, that's a, a key in everything you do. You take everything seriously. And I think you and I have talked about that a lot, you know, is you don't know which ones, which business or which person is going to have success. So you take them all seriously and you work with everybody and you're going to have failures. That's a, that's a given. But you, it wasn't because of you letting down on your end. And so, you know, I've learned a lot over the years that, you know, ex- for example, businesses, you know, would I have ever predicted that integrated DNA would be one of the largest employers in our area? They have over a thousand employees here in Corville. And they started in an incubator along with CBJ. They started in the University of Iowa Research Park at the incubator, the technology incubator. Well, who knew which ones were going to survive? There were, you know, hundreds of businesses and people that went through there. CBJ made it. Integrated DNA made it. And, you know, look at where they're at today. And they're a worldwide leader in their businesses. And so you, I don't think you can predict who is going to be the one, you know, and so it's not the guy that always has the most money. It's not the lady that has necessarily the best idea, but it's people that work hard. And that's what we want to do is we want to work hard. And I've learned that from you, you know, that you have to put the effort in and you have to work and you have to work with people and work in in conjunction with them. And then it's amazing what what can happen um, through that hard work. You know, one of my other uh, best friends 
um, along with you was Russ Jardine. And Russ Jardine from Heartland Express, the president of Heartland Express, I learned so much from from listening to Russ. And um, amazing guy. If you want to know about the economy, you talk to Russ Jardine. And because we would talk about whether he had trucks on the lot or not. And if he had trucks on the lot, the economy probably wasn't doing so well. If he didn't have trucks on the lot and they were out on the road, that meant the economy was doing pretty darn good. There was nobody better at predicting what was going to happen than Russ Jardine, but he had all kinds of great philosophies of life as well. And his son Mike has taken over for him and um, you know, miss Russ a lot. But Mike's got some of those same philosophies, and um, we got great business leaders in our area to learn from, and that's through making connections like um, you do is how you learn from people and, and really have continued success. You know, one of the things you and I have done recently that have been one of the best things that you and I have ever done, and that's worked with the um, president of Kirkwood and visited every major employer in Coralville, right? I mean, we just right. did that. Amazing um, experience. We just did that two um, months ago, and we hit all those businesses. It's amazing what you learn and um, what they're doing and maybe some ways that we can help with that success. But um, Lori Sundberg, she is a class act at Kirkwood, the president there, and she was willing to take the time to go with the, with us to visit every one of those employers. And um, I think there's, we're going to see some great success out of just that one activity. Yeah, just on that briefly, you know, we went to Integrated DNA. We met Trey Martin, runs the place, a local kid, grew up out of a city, went to City High. And uh, we toured their facility. It was the most ama- amazing experience of, of my life, almost, business-wise, what they have out there. It's just unbelievable. We went to MetaRev with Chris Clickgard. It could, could not have been more gracious. They have, what, 407 employees uh, at their place in Coralville. Uh, they're we, growing. We went to HLT. HLT, Adam Cooney and the guys hosted yep. Lori. And one IDX. Of the person, yeah, I, IDX. Yeah, IDX. You know what makes me feel stupid, though, Tom, is that I've toured I, – I've toured integrated DNA probably 12 or 15 times. I don't know, maybe even mm-hmm. more than that. And I still don't understand what they do. I agree. They make DNA and they ship out every night. It's, it's unbelievable. That's all I can tell you. You'd have to see it. I mean, again, I mean, it's just a huge facility. They, they manufacture their, their own machines. It's, it's a quality operation. I also want to mention another person who affected us was Reese Morgan. In my oh. case, Reese came to West High School to coach football. Went on to Iowa as a, as a coach, but he had a big influence on everybody at West High, and he taught us three things. And every Sunday night, I have a little yellow pad here. Reese taught us three things: believe, never give up, and do your best. So I write those down every Sunday night, and I carry it around with me because um, I saw him take the worst high school football program in America, West High School. My daughter was a senior, never saw a winning football game, and in three years later, he was. Uh, state champions. He, he cared about the kids. But anyway, another person had a big influence on all of us. Oh, you bet. Uh, let's talk about some of your, what you do in your spare time. As I recall, you uh, you ride your bike a lot and you ride Ragbri often, right? How many times have you been in Ragbri? Well, I've ridden Ragbri 25 times in a row. And, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I'm very passionate about um, riding my bike and have a lot of fun. And some years I ride it twice because I ride it in the pre-ride and we ride all across the state in June and then go back in July and do it again. And uh, so it's a lot of fun. But the other part of that is there's a lot to learn, too. And you 
talk to local people and see what's happening in communities and you get a very, very better feel for how things are out there when you're on a bike and mm-hmm. you can talk to people you know in person and you really get a better feel for the economy and what's going on and um, that's an important thing for us to to do and so I, I enjoy riding my bike and I've got some friends we ride every morning at um, 5.30 a.m. That sounds like fun, 5.30 yeah. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, doesn't your group have a name? You have a We're Team, team Spare Tire. Team Spare Tire. Yes, and, um, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of history there, and some of us had bigger spare tires than others. I see. You've also been active, I know, in scouting, Boy Scouting, yeah. you know, the, at the regional level, but also you're a scout yep. master. Yep, scout master. The, um, yeah, I um, have... I was involved in scouts when I was a kid, and my dad was very involved, and my brother, my brother was a little smarter than I am. He's an Eagle Scout, and I didn't make it there. But, but your son did. But my son did, yeah. yeah. So on both ends of the spectrum, they were a little <laughs> better than I was. But um, I do enjoy scouting. It's a, it's a very a great program. And Hawkeye Area Council, which the quarter is all located in, is a very very good council and a very special um, group and i was honored to be the president of the council for two years and at that time i didn't know anything about what was going on and i learned a lot through that process and there's amazing people that are involved in scouting and that's one of the reasons i like to be involved yeah, i was on that board once they're very dedicated and also you spend your summer vacations and what uh, you sleep in a tent yeah, right. Yeah, up we the camp. We it's up by Central City, is where our camp is, and um, we have a great facility there. I mean, we have zip lines and and climbing towers, and we have state of the art facilities there. And I'm very proud. When I was president, we added 30 acres to the um, to the camp, and we were able to expand it. And um, it's a really special place. But their tent, does it have a TV or a bathroom or anything? No, no. it does not have any of those things. You and have so, a ma- bed? Um, no, I do have a cot. cot. So <laughs> okay. That's yeah. why I've never gone to the camp with you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, great. Um, and you're an Iowa football fan, right? So you've gone to some bowl games, is that true? Yeah, I've went to a lot of bowl games. I started in college days and... I think, if I recall correctly, my first bowl ever would have was the Rose Bowl, and wow. so that was we went to that, and um, we drove my college roommate's dad's brand new Cadillac to California. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. We we drove, and we had three girls in the back, and he and I in the front, and we drove straight through. Didn't st- we didn't stay over anywhere. We just kept on driving, and. Um, after the Rose Bowl, if you recall, we got beat that year by Washington, right? We lost every year in the Rose Bowl. We yeah, were well, one of Rose Bowl well, since the fifties, yeah, 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 since the fifties. Yeah. But so we were leaving, and we were going to spend a few days in San Francisco. So we rode, drove this Cadillac up the Highway One to San Francisco. We we drove it out on the beach, which I'd never done before, <laughs> and. But we were driving to San Francisco, and a, a Washington fan ran into the back end of his dad's new Cadillac. Oh and my. then the guy got out and had the nerve to tell us that we lost twice that week. We lost <laughs> the football game, and we 
lost the back end of our Cadillac. Cadillac. So that's great. Know, yeah. I know you're active at your church downtown at this church. And yeah. You get up on Sunday mornings and you do something, right? You run the sound panel or something? Like that? Yeah, I pretend that I know what I'm doing and mix the sound at um, First United Methodist Church. Um, it's a, a really special place for Nancy and I, and we spend a lot of time there and do a lot of volunteer work. And one of the things is I do the sound, and sometimes I have to do three s- services so I could recite the sermon by the end of that morning. <laughs> Well, tell us about Michael briefly, your son. He's now uh, up in Cedar Falls uh, yeah, uh, doing construction management and sales, is right? Yep, yep. He is, um, he is a product of our area. He's a, an Iowa City West graduate, and he um, is a proud Panther. He's a graduate of the University of Northern Iowa, and um, he works for Woodruff Construction, which has an office in Tiffin and one up in in um, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, and over in Fort Dodge and all that area. And he does um, business development now, but he's also been active on the construction sites um, in previous to that. Plus, he's handy, right? He can actually build stuff and stuff and repair stuff, right? He is very handy, and he did not get that from me. <laughs> he, um, I have zero skills in that area, and he is extremely good. But he's got had great mentors. People like Mike Hodge from Hodge Construction um, took an interest and helped him out, and they went on some mission trips and built stuff, and lo and behold, he got some good skills, good life skills. Well, I think your church goes down to Appalachia every year. Yep, they go out there every year, and I think he went five or six years, and um, Mike was always the leader of that group. Uh, Tell me about what, uh, if you look ahead in your life, what things are you going to— any goals to accomplish or things you want to do differently or yeah you know I mean um, there's a lot of things you can always do differently and would love to do you know one thing is um, I really do need to spend more time with my family you know and it, um, it it takes a lot of time in the volunteer things that I do and and um, so one of the things is to just um, kind of relax and spend a little bit more time with uh, my family you know we're all getting older obviously and so that's <laughs> something that um, I think need to dedicate a little more time to, you know, and there's a lot of things yet to come. You know, I mean, it's amazing the things that are happening in all of our communities and um, Corville's no different. And there's a lot of cool things yet to come. And um, we're really excited about some of the opportunities. You know, we think of the mall and we think of I River Landing and what's happening there. But, you know, we've got the arena yet to open that comes up in uh what, um, less than a year now. We're down to probably about nine months before that opens. And, you know, the Iowa River, we, we're looking at the Iowa River and how we can do some um, cool things along there. And we just got um, completed all the land acquisitions, and we've got a huge amount of space along the Iowa River to do some things. And we're hoping that we can actually get people out on the river to enjoy it and um, to do some actually private development along the river as well. And so, you know, the the arena and the I-River Landing, that's not completed and won't be completed for a long time because we've got a new park that we want to build as part of that development. And, we, you know, we could have huge festivals there, um, maybe not groups that you'd like to listen to, but um, <laughs> they... Um, <laughs> You know, we do, you know, we want to have, you know, festival. we can handle six to 8,000 people in the park for a concert. And so that's something that we want to see how we're going to be able to um, to do that. And 
We've, the trails continue to grow, and we're doing stuff with bikes that, you know, I'm a biker, and there's some of this stuff I've never even heard of. One of the things that um, Sherry Proud, our park rec director, working on a flow track. It's probably not something that you and I are going to do, a flow track, but um, that's a new thing that they're building in, in along the Clear Creek Trail system, and you're going to be able to ride your bike to the top and then the goal is you come down this track without ever having to pedal once you get started, and then you make it down to the bottom. So yeah, coming down, I can handle. <laughs> I'd be in good shape there. Yeah. So, but the, so there is a lot of things yet to come. And the arena, Mortensen is the lead builder. They're a contractor. Yep. And the story is they're sort of on budget, on time, and so September one, August of twenty twenty. It's going to open. Things are going to happen. Yeah, it's going to open. Um, it's And we're ready for it. we got a great staff, you know, that's really working hard on filling the arena. We're getting people that already are reserving dates, and, you know, whether it's concerts or U of I volleyball. You know, I, I was excited the other night. They had kind of a record attendance for the Nebraska game, and um, they were over 4,500 people were there for that. And so that's another – um, good thing that's going to be there. We're still working on hockey to have a hockey team at the at the arena base there. And I know one of the things they've already booked is monster trucks. And I've never <laughs> been to a monster truck event. Neither but, have I. But they're going to have it in in the arena. And it sounds like a mess. And mud flies everywhere. So um, in a brand new arena. I'm told in the arena too. You can, you can. I guess you can buy suites stuff. There's club seats available too, so there's some opportunity there. You can buy them and just use them part of the time and not yeah. come to any events. So there's lots of opportunities to be involved with a good seating if you want to be. Yeah, yeah. You can buy seats, and you know it's really a good way to connect. You know, we talk about doing things together, and um, that's kind of what that whole club suites about is. There's 170 seats, and you can all be together and. Um, there's a lot of ways that you'll be able to enjoy a lot of different events. Well, we should wrap this up pretty quick. Let's talk briefly about what you see ahead in the next three to five years. And I drove up here to the CBJ World Headquarters. I took Exit 2 because yeah. I wanted to arrive down Exit 2. And that was it's amazing. It's all done. It's there. Um, so this area is going to continue to develop, but the University of Iowa Hospitals may be building up in their there are corner out there at Forever Green and Exit 2. Um, what's your expectation of the whole region, I mean? Well, you know, it's going to be amazing, and there's so many things that are happening out here. And you're right. I came out to the CBJ World Headquarters um, via Forever Green Road, and I hadn't been able to come that way until just recently. And today was the first day I drove that, uh, that direction. And um, there is so many things happening um, and so much interest. We get calls constantly. I was with Ryan Hire this morning, um, North Liberty City Administrator, and they have significant demands for development, and they're planning new sewers out there as well as, as we are. And um, Tiffin's growing. And so that whole you know uh, number two interchange or mile two interchange at Forever Green Road um, it's going to change that world, and in three to five years, you're not going to recognize that area. I can guarantee you because there's a lot of farm fields there today, and in five years, they won't be there anymore because there is so much demand for what's happening. And, you know, you and I talk a lot, you know, 
we wonder if people are crazy about all the new developments and the new housing and the new apartments and multifamily that's being built. There's 3,000 new units on the books in Iowa City. There's 1,000 new units on the books for Coralville. That doesn't include North Liberty, which is, has a huge number, and that doesn't include Tiffin as well. So just the two cities, Iowa City and Corville, have 4,000 multifamily. That doesn't include single family. It doesn't include all the other things. 4,000 on the books to be built over the next two to three years. That is a lot of housing. And um, it takes people obviously moving here because, you know, obviously it's not people that are from here. So people have to be moving here to keep those. And I have not seen one of those projects um, fail yet. They have filled up. I assume they're paying you their loan. Yeah, they're, they're paying. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, and so it's, um, you know, I don't think we have really seen yet um, what significant amount of growth is going to happen in the area. I remember vividly in 1998 when Coral Ridge Mall came here. They told us that our local estimates for growth in our community plans for the area was, you know, down at this one level. They said the actual growth was happening at significantly over what we had all predicted, and they saw the future as being even greater than that. So they, back in 1998, said we were all underestimating what was going to happen in the quarter as far as growth, and I think we've seen they were correct. I want to briefly ask you about Summers and Okaboji. That's a family tradition, right? And you and you fish, but you hire a guide, right? You sort of cheat. You don't fish just. So well, tell I, us I about Okaboji. Well, I don't classify that as as uh, cheating, but yeah, I've been going. <laughs> um, I've been going to Okaboji for twenty five years, and um, my son um, has continued the tradition, and so now he and his wife have joined us, and his, and my his fiance before that, but. They've, they're joining us on the trip, and we've got a couple other friends that um, join with us. And it's just a, a great um, relaxation spot for us. And um, I, I think it's a, a jewel in the state of Iowa that um, hopefully not everybody finds out about right. because um, um, that area is growing as well. But it's a lot of fun, and even you could catch a fish there. I would need help. I need, <laughs> I need the guide, let me clear you know, I guess we're going to wrap this up, but uh, you know, a few uh, a month or so ago, we had a lunch and we talked, why is the corridor going to keep growing? There were six reasons, and the CBJ was one of them, in my opinion, what it does for the area. But the other thing, in my opinion, is the city managers. We have very strong, capable city managers. You know, Jeff Frew in Iowa City, you're in Coralville, Ryan's in North Liberty, Cedar Rapids. So we have excellent managers who all get along. They cooperate well. There's great relationships and that's that is one of the keys that's a huge advantage in my opinion as we go forward so i want to thank you for your leadership but also with with ryan and jeff and yeah, everybody else you know yeah you're right and um i think this communities get along better than they ever have with mayors the mayors get together for lunch um at least um, once every two two to three months Iowa City, Corville, North Liberty, and they talk about what's going on, as does then um, Jeff and, and Ryan and I get together as well. And um, we just, I think we're all on the same page. And we may not always agree, but we're going to talk about it if we don't, and it'll, things will get worked out. And so, I, you know, as long as that communication continues, which I don't see any reason that it won't, um, I think we're going to have a great future. Yeah, well... 
Well, thanks a lot. I guess we won't be at the Rose Bowl this year together, but maybe we'll be in San Diego at the Holiday Bowl or something. So that's my hope. I hope so. I hope you're right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Kelly. I appreciate it. Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. 